Hi everyone, my name is Patrick Akio, and for today's episode we talk about effective data science solutions. It's interesting that the challenge there is not necessarily on the technical side, but it's more on the people side, the communication, and partnering with stakeholders. I invited my friend Dina Gergeson, who's a lead data scientist at Bayer, because she has a lot of experience on the academic side as well as the commercial side. I'll put the links to her socials in the description, and with that being said, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Beyond Coding, a dive into the world of successful people in IT. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders. Here's your host, Patrick Akil. Let's start off with a bit more of a personal question. Um, how did you get involved with data science and, and why are you passionate about this subject in the first place? Um, so I started actually studying data science in, I guess, 2009, 2010. And I was, um, since I was a student in computer science, and that was my first um, real knowledge about data science. And it was fascinating that we can actually make a machine that is solid and that we have to usually instruct it as uh, what exactly to do to make it think and to make it intelligent. That was one of the points that fascinated me that I can actually write a program that makes a machine think and uh, yeah. decide on its own. So it's, it's super fascinating. I decided to go more within this direction. So I had my bachelor thesis. I wrote my bachelor thesis. It was a topic in machine learning and cancer. So it was the, the uh, classification of some kind of cancer without mm. going into too much technical or scientific detail. Yeah. And then I started working there, uh, going further to the research fields of, again, machine learning and data science and cancer. And then I did my master's again in the same field, machine learning and cancer. So it was very academia focused. I was also teaching at the universities uh, during this time. So it was very scientific academia, this, this very um, focus of the research and the science. And then yep. in 2015, I decided to switch to uh, industry. Mm. And this is what exactly you're saying, that the methods that we studied are awesome. It's incredible. And having this sort of uh, the, how the, the, the algorithms work and how we create models and how the math behind works, that's perfect in academia. Yeah. But then after transitioning to commercial, I thought, okay, just did, I, I studied cancer uh, using machine learning and I built a complex pathway of brain tumor in children. So what can actually be difficult in commercial and real life yeah. data science uh, products. And it was completely different, completely. <laughs> I was so naive to think otherwise. And I was so naive to think that this would be easier. Yeah. Um, for lots of reasons, for lots of reasons, because at the end, the focus is very different. And hmm. the, the end results are very different. The expectations are very different. And one of the main things that I didn't expect to be a challenge is that, okay, in, in, in actually in industry, we are solving a business problem, yeah. but we are also dealing with people and we are hmm. working with people. And sometimes that's um, with the expectation management, with the communication, with the emotional component of, okay, is AI going to take my job in two years? Am I helping you to actually kick me out of my job? Yeah. So for example, this is even though not lots of people have the courage, so to say, to speak those thoughts out, but you can see it in how they react and how they talk and how they uh, 
not welcome the solution. So yeah. once I went into the, the commercial side, even after spending significant time in academia, so it was never a problem of the technicalities of the solution. Yeah. But in the commercial side, there are million questions that I actually didn't think about even in the academia in the academic side. Exactly. Do you think the so in the academic side it's more of an isolated problem that you're trying to solve and is more theoretical, maybe a bit less practical? While in the kind of commercial side, you have really that human factor, right? People are going to use your solution, maybe not as you intended, but they're going to use it in one way. Uh, and that's why it gets complicated. Definitely, this is one of the parts that, that is theoretically focused, but also one of the main points that is different between academia and industry is that no one comes back to tell you, okay, what effect did your solution create? Yeah. So in academia, I could study anything. I could research any topic I would like. I would just say, okay, this is what has happened. This is the benchmarking. This is how I did it. And that was sort of no one at the end. Um, let me rephrase this. At mm. the end, the focus and what's very important in academia, that the method is very cutting edge and very scientifically clear and very scientifically um, clean as well. So this yeah. is the focus in academia. Once we go back to the commercial side, they would completely accept something which is not scientifically perfect, yeah. but that's doing the job and creating an impact. Exactly. Creating an impact in academia was the different side because at the end, the impact is not measured by how much did my solution return or how much time did it save or how much uh, uplift in the product usage did it create, but rather how many people cited my publication at the end, which is yeah. a completely different uh, goal as well. Exactly. It feels like you're more, you're exploring more maybe on the ap academic side, right? And you can introduce new stuff and you can really discover um, based on what you're researching, what the outcome would be and just already having an outcome uh, is something for people to take home with them or, or to build on top of, right? And to do uh, their own discoveries on top of that. While in more of the commercial side, more of the organization side, it is effectiveness, right? If your solution is not effective, then you haven't really been uh, doing the right things, basically. You haven't created that impact that you're talking about. Um, and no impact means kind of, well, where did all of that time go? <laughs> and all of that budget and money yeah. and infrastructure as well. Exactly. And as well, to add to that, for the outcome in academia, you can easily change the, the, the your goal in between. So if mm. I start in researching something and I had an original question in mind, but I thought, okay, then a second question could be more interesting and I go within that, that would be completely acceptable. But changing the outcome within business, this is something that's not completely acceptable. So for example, if I'm working now on a sales project and I discovered that we have a potential for finance project which is even better i cannot simply just say okay let's stop the sales projects that we're working on and switch to finance that yeah. would not be uh, the best news for the stakeholders so yeah. i cannot simply do that and this is something that's very different as well that's the goal setting so initially the goal setting in academia is flexible mm. uh, you're free to do whatever you want as long as you're doing it in a scientifically sound manner yeah but once you switch to commercial your goal has to be clear from the very beginning and your goal has to have an impact not only on how further did you push the, the, the current state of the art methods, but also, for example, how many uh, 
hours did you save or how many uh, millions did you return on investment or what's the sales of uh, the uplift of the sales or the improvements of the marketing budget spent and so on? Yeah, I think still organizations try and kind of tackle both scenarios, right? Still be effective, but flexible enough with new learnings to adjust and be like, oh, we need to go this way, left instead of right. Uh, there's just a lot of things like even sunken costs that factor into those decisions where they're like, well, we've already spent so much money, time and effort that we might as well push through, right? Whilst maybe the other decision would be better in the end. It really depends on the organization, <laughs> it really depends on the people you're working with. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes organizations, especially in, in, I don't want to generalize to say that, okay, usually bigger organizations, bigger corporates are not that flexible. Yeah. But some, so I worked, I had the pleasure actually and the honor to work in, in several setups. So I worked in a startup, I worked in a company that was actually uh, ex government. So it mm. was a part of the government. I worked in a digitally native, as they call it, company, and currently yep. I'm working at Bayer, which is a global corporate. And all of those four different, completely different setups, so from local and global, you see how a management can make a huge difference in the effectiveness of the data science solution, but also yep. the flexibility. So, for example, in the startup, we had a focus of producing a certain AI product, and that yep. was our main focus. How we reached there, it's completely flexible, but we didn't have the chance, for example, to say, okay, let's completely switch the, 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 the product or let's completely create a new product. This is something that was not possible. Yeah. On the other hand, when working in, for example, Bayer, we do have, so we're working in a central team, global team. So yeah. we're serving all of the markets and all of the functions as well. So we have a bit of flexibility to see which is the highest return of investment. And usually the more we work with data, the more we work with the stakeholders, the more we get into the exact details of the markets in the global perspective of that. So combining yeah. the local and global, we have um, a better understanding and a better estimation of, okay, if we put this amount of time into the solution, then this will be the return of investment we will create. Yeah. There are companies, so those are the best companies that, okay, we are having some sort of flexibility somehow, sometimes in the way, sometimes in the goal as well. Yeah. But there are companies that, um, and this is where really the education awareness needs to be pushed further, because sometimes the stakeholders and the business management expect, expect some kind of a crystal ball. Yeah. So they expect, okay, we have had this significant amount of investment in infrastructure, we're having this significant amount of investment in people, so we will have this significant <laughs> amount of return of investment. Exactly. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and this rigid view that they don't understand actually that sometimes it's more complicated than we did one, two, and then we're expecting three. Most of the time it's actually not as simple. Uh, sometimes this rigidity actually sort of backfires. Yeah. That, okay, we need some sort of flexibility in between to learn from what's happening because every company is unique, every use case is unique, every stakeholder is unique, every product is unique, yeah. every industry is unique. So there is no learning that would go over all of the companies, the industries, the cases. Yeah. Uh, and also balance this kind of, we are working at the end to improve the business and the return of investment. Yeah. It's a, a lot of balls that you're juggling in the air, basically, and the environment can, can either lift you up, right, or partially tear you down, 
um, there's already a lot of stuff that needs to be in place for you to make a data science solution in the first place. I mean, you need data, first of all, uh, but probably also a team that knows what it's doing. Um, how often have you come into a project or come into a situation where you, from probably from management or the general idea was, we're going to build this solution, but just the data wasn't there to start in the first place? That's a big sign. Lots of few amounts of times. <laughs> yeah. um, and sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing because mm. lots of times stakeholders or internal customers, I usually work with, with internal customers, frankly. Yeah. So lots of time they hear something which is super cool in the market, depending on how their attitude is towards new ideas. Yeah. Uh, the, the easier to work with stakeholders that say it like that, the less rigid stakeholders would say, okay, I heard this or I read this article which had this amazing idea of how we can implement AI into this our field. Yeah. Let's do it. Mm. And usually Just this like is that. where we start. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this is usually where we start to communicate, okay, why do you think this idea is good? Yeah. Let's see what we need. Let's see what we have. And let's see how we can build it afterwards and build upon that to actually create um, the solution. Yeah. And once they understand that, okay, it's not a crystal ball that today we will start to build, but we also need prerequisites. Yeah. And once they are also involved of collecting and ensuring that those prerequisites, for example, like the data is in place, or for example, like the business process is in place, they are the ones who would understand that, okay, if I need the solution, then I need to collect this data and that's my responsibility. Yeah. The tricky part here is not not saying no. So mm. sometimes we see the idea and initially directly I know that this is not possible because yeah. I know the data, I know the infrastructure, I know the capabilities, I know the business processes. So once they suggest this idea, sometimes I'm sure that this is not <laughs> possible, yeah. but it takes some kind of um, also flexibility from our side. Yeah. This is also one of the requirements that's very important to leading proper data science solutions in a commercial settings is how we say no. Hmm. Lots of times we say, okay, that's not possible, period. Yeah. And that's not a good solution. The other solution, which is more taking the emotional intelligence into account is to say, okay, why do you want that? Understanding more of where the customer is coming from, because yeah. sometimes you could also find the, um, an intermediate solution that we can implement, and that would be a good thing. But also explaining and educating my customer and my stakeholder what is required to build such solution and yeah. making them a part of the team so they are my partners and not just an end user. So, okay, we need this data to build this product that you want to use to produce this effect. Yeah. But unfortunately, we don't have this data. Can we work together to collect this data? Exactly. And once this perspective switches that you are someone who uses a product, which you think that it's a crystal ball, to we are a team together that we're working towards the solution that will help you in the business. I think this is where the best communication between the technical teams, so the data science team with all of the technical expertise, plus the business with all of their very valuable domain knowledge sort of comes from one as a service provider and the other as a user to we're all a single team that we are working together to create the best impact and the highest impact for the business. Yeah, yeah, I fully stand behind that, that reasoning, right? If you 
really synergize with your stakeholders if you are kind of more on the technical side. Uh, that's when you can create the best products, right? You can really just sit next to each other and understand each other. They can understand the technical implications and you can understand the domain, right? Because from a technical side, you do need to understand that domain, but you haven't been working in that domain for too long. Uh, most of your stakeholders probably have, which is why you need to kind of cooperate in a, in a way as well. But to, to get that communication across, I mean, you already laid it out. Sometimes it's, um, I don't know how you say this in English, but people that say, oh, we need, we need this, and then people that are more of the service providers, I guess, the technical side, you need to be at the table where the kind of brainstorm happens of the solutions for the company, right? Really defining where the value is. And from a technical side, you need to be able to challenge that, right? And say, well, this is kind of what we need, or let's explore that. And from the stakeholder side, they need to know the technical implications. If it can't really be done, or if it takes way longer than other kind of estimates of value, uh, then maybe it might not be a good idea. But I really think somehow you need to get that seat at the table and have that kind of equal level of communication with everyone. Exactly, and this is not usually very easy for yeah. a couple of reasons. Um, I don't want to throw the blame on the business because that's not the case. Yeah. Realistically speaking and humbly speaking as well, Lots of times we as data scientists are more fascinated with the codes and with the methodologies and with the technologies there more than the business process. So we yeah. would rather spend time writing code more than communicating with, with the stakeholders. And this is something that I commonly see 90% of the time, yeah. which is understandable in the sense that, okay, if I actually spent all of this time studying all of those complicated methods with all of those very difficult backgrounds. Yeah. I am fascinated by the technology itself. Um, so I understand where the data science teams are coming from, but this attitude sometimes, most of the time actually, <laughs> isolates the, the, the business from there. So yeah. this kind of, I am here and not in academia, the, the very first point that we're talking on, it's not just the technicalities, it's not just the code, it's not just the method, it's not just the algorithm, but it's rather the impact that we are creating together with the business team. Yeah. And this is the, the most important part. And this needs also some awareness because at the end, if our data scientists are only being accounted for and they're only being just for the quality of the solution or the model or the accuracy of the model that they produce, yeah. then this also could be somehow misleading. Yeah. Uh, Developing a team of data scientists that can understand the business and that can have um, direct communication and not communication in the sense that I can explain to you this algorithm because oftentimes this is doable. Yeah. It's also this communication of, okay, I'm not a service provider, I'm your partner, and you're not my user, you're my partner. It exactly. goes both ways. Because lots of time, okay, sometimes we're not too happy that we're being created as, that we're not having a seat at, at the table, as, as you've said it, and as you've put it. But lots of times we also sort of do the same thing by saying, okay, you're not a part of the development, you're just the user. Yeah. So let me develop separately from the technical perspective that usually the data scientists are fascinated by, yeah. which is good, but then you'll use it afterwards. But this is not really how it should work. And creating this team 
that somehow is humble enough to understand that, okay, my domain expert and my stakeholder is bringing incredible value that I don't have. And the stakeholders is knowing the same thing that my data scientists are bringing incredible values that I don't have and just working together in this way. I think this is the best thing that needs awareness from both sides. So it's yeah. not only that business is not aware, it's also that most of the time, humbly speaking and, and completely honest, data scientists do not like this part of the job, but this part is the crucial part of implementing an AI solution that will bring uh, and will have return on the business. Exactly, that, that is actually effective in what it's doing, right? I, I love exactly. that you kind of lay out that maybe blame or fault is not really the best word, um, but it lies in, in both areas, right? If you put someone in a box, they're, from your perspective, they're going to be in that box, right? And from a stakeholder side, they can treat the technical team as more of a service provider. And from the technical team, you can treat your stakeholders as just users and users with edge cases and stuff like that, instead of being that team, right? That really, um, yeah, I think diverse team with different sets of knowledge that can eventually make the most effective solution because we have a shared understanding of what we're doing, right? Both on a business need level, as well as on a technical solution level. But you mentioned something in that uh, the technical team is fascinated by more of the technical side, right? And I, I completely get that, right? It's, it's one of the drivers here. Uh, but for me, a main driver is also being effective in what I'm doing, not just doing it for the sake of doing it, um, but actually having that impact for the users, I mean, the end users in, in some way. What do you think that is? And I, I think m myself, I think it stems from more of the academic journey because you are taught to resolve problems that are more in a bubble and more theoretical. And we really don't shine light on that business problem or the business um, simulation that needs to happen. Totally agree. Um, so <laughs> there's there's something that um, I also said, and I think lots of people uh, laughed about that, hmm. that doing the right things is not equal to doing things right. What is that? <laughs> nice. Doing things right is exactly what, what we're judged for and what we're educated for in academia. Is that right or wrong? Is that scientifically sound or not? Has the evaluation been done in a proper way? How was the accuracy calculated? How was the method done? How was it built upon? Yeah. This is all doing things right. But what I personally was never taught at the university or any kind of educational academ academic background was, yeah. okay, is this problem relevant? Yeah. And this is really where it gets very different. Because if we focus on how we do it, then lots of times we are able to do something correctly and something very sound and something with very high accuracy. Yeah. And this is always what we're taught. But when we go more to the business side, what matters in this case is not only that we're doing something correctly, so doing things right, but also are we doing the right things? Is this where we should spend our resources and time and focus? Yeah. So for example, I can work on a business problem that is completely irrelevant and completely trivial. I can build a perfect solution for that, even though the solution is perfect, so it was done in the right way. Yeah. The impact is still zero. And this integration of business impact at the end, that the impact that I'm doing is not about the method. Yeah. The impact that I'm doing is about the results. That's a key difference between academia and uh, industry. Exactly. Because academia, the impact is in the methods. Industry, the impact is in the results. 
industry yeah. would be very happy with a model that performs 80%, but at the same time, it's working on a problem that's uh, more, has a higher and wider scope than just a single tiny piece that's working 100%. Yeah. And uh, man, for me, I don't know when that realization hit, but I, I fully agree with what you said, right? Coming from academia, you're really focused on what you're actually doing, not necessarily why, right? The overarching problem that you're trying to solve with what you're actually doing. But somehow for me, the, the, realization, the realization sunk in that it is actually more about the overarching problem, right? Why are we doing this? And then you can focus on what you actually need to do to resolve it in the first place. When, when did you kind of figure out that realization? Um, Was it really early on? Because you, you had quite a history in more of the academia side. I think I had sort of a culture shock in mm. my first job, definitely, uh, where all of those concepts came into question. So, okay, is it just the method? No, it's actually what we... So, and I remember I started my, my industrial career or commercial career in a startup. Yeah. And then this is something that is well my bosses have done brilliantly, is this kind of transition and this um, kind of educating me of what is actually needed. Yeah. Um, I wasn't prepared to, for that at all. But at <laughs> the end, when my boss would come and tell me, okay, this is what I need to communicate to the customer because this is what will make an effect. This is something that he understood very well. And this yeah. is something that I also, from my side, to understand at the beginning i didn't actually think it was okay if we're doing the right thing then the customer should come along should understand what we're doing so it's yeah. it's not that it's something that we need to create for the customer and that's it but it's rather that we're creating the best thing for the customer and the customer should understand why this is the best thing yeah somehow during those communication and again they they were incredible bosses and until now i still look at them with sort of they educated me a lot about the life awesome somehow we came into an agreement okay so let's communicate this let's propose this and let's maybe say that okay even though that's not the perfect solution that's an 80 percent solution and we can improve it further yeah um but the first job, and I remember this this very very concretely and very very vividly, um, that for example, something that they thought, okay, that does not matter at all, was how pretty the plot the plots and the graphs look at the end, or the visualization, or the results, or the powerpoints, or the slides, because you know if it has an impact, why when if it conveys the message at the end, why does it have to be actually well designed? Yeah, this is something that we never take into account in academia, for example. <laughs> Yeah. But then my bosses would return, okay, the, the, the concept and the message and the patterns you found are very good, but we need to put it in a prettier format. Yeah. And as a data scientist who writes code, I thought, okay, that's a waste of my time. Yeah, that's, Why, not, that's not my if, thing. Yeah. Exactly. But then this is a second part as well that I did not understand the impact until I had this sort of shock culture shock between academia and and uh, and industry that even the prettiness of the solution and how it's presented this yeah. is a huge part of how the customer assesses it yeah i mean it, it brings it back to the communication that you say is is so crucial right uh making something pretty or making something pleasant to the eye is a way of communicating the essence of what you're trying to communicate right the essence can be completely sound 
But if the presentation around it just doesn't make sense, people are not going to have a good feel about what you're trying to communicate in the first place. And it can be with a data science solution. It can be with something you're just face-to-face -face communicating with someone. I, I think we need to focus on that more, maybe even on the academic side or definitely early on in career. Exactly. But also the thing that's very important to note as well, that the presentation, so at the end when we talk to stakeholders, they don't yeah. exactly understand what's happening in the background. Hmm. They see a solution, but they don't understand and they don't see the technicalities and the details. Yeah. And if I compare it to an everyday situation that we face, for example, if you go to a restaurant and at the end, it should be a good restaurant, so you don't have a doubt that it's a good restaurant, but the at the end you have a stain on your plate or something that's not super clean, Yeah. you will automatically judge that the kitchen is not clean, even though it could have been just a, the waiter or the waitress was moving a bit or someone was passing by and, and just had a, a stain or something. So it could be like anything, but yeah. if the solution is presented or if the plate or if the food is not presented in the best cleanest way, so to say, yeah. then you'd automatically judge that, okay, if this is what I see, then automatically the kitchen probably is not clean, then automatically I should not trust this food. Yeah. Even though it could be completely different, but you see how, because we are at the end and we don't see the kitchen, this is yeah. the way we judge, uh, we actually judge the kitchen. Exactly. And it's the same way also the, our stakeholders see it. So they don't see the kitchen, they don't see what we're doing, they just see the final presentation. And if the final presentation of the results is sloppy or is not perfect in a sense, then why are we asking them to trust the original solution? Exactly. Yeah. It's the, the complete package of what you're presenting them, right? You can't just be like, oh, that 20%, don't worry about that. The other 80% we're doing in the back here is, is sound and solid. Just just trust me on that. <laughs> they yeah. don't. They no, don't. exactly. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it earlier in kind of, a team simulation, right, with stakeholders and, and people from more technical background. In creating those those data science product products throughout your career, what have you kind of figured out about the team effectiveness or the team structure? Because I, a few years back, data science as a role was really hot and happening. Now it's more towards data engineers and they're kind of cooperating together. But I, I haven't been in such a team, so I don't know what kind of that team layout would look like. Obviously, it, a lot of stuff depends. <laughs> Um, generally speaking, it depends on the goal of the project, but generally yeah. speaking, the best kind of team uh, and the most difficult kind of team to create both mm. is the one that would include different experts, diverse experts from the different fields, from the domain as well from the technical side. Yeah. Um, so for me currently, what, what we are currently working on, I'm working on a project for marketing. Yep. My team is having an incredible, incredible people, an incredible team and incredible members from all of the different kinds. So starting from senior stakeholders, which whom thankfully are pushing the project very much from a, from a, um, a management perspective and from a resource perspective. And this is something, by the way, so the senior buy-in is something that we often forget in, in, in what we should do in data science solution, but experience-wise, the, the senior management buy-in. Yeah. So that someone from the senior management knows about the project and is pushing the project forward, or as we call it sometimes, sponsoring the project. Yeah. So okay. he knows what we're doing. He's making sure that there is no blockers that are standing there. Yeah. And he 
believes that this will create an impact for his business division or for his functional division. Yeah. Um, this is one kind of, of our team or, or stakeholder that has to be in, involved in the team. But also from, from a domain perspective, we do have the domain knowledge. We do have, uh, so the domain people, so the marketeers, this is something that we do, do have in the team. We yeah. also have the agencies. So external providers is even a, a different perspective of what a team can do, but we do have external providers integrated into the team, which is they bring an incredible amount of knowledge in their domain, in different domains. Okay. We do have the infrastructure team as well helping us. We do have the analytics team supporting from a side of this um, data integration to what we're planning because they have an incredible amount of knowledge as well uh, in, in the marketing area from an infrastructure side. So it's at the end, there needs to be someone who sees how this project should go. Yeah. There needs to be someone who does not only see the technicalities because that's the easier and more common part in, in the data science but also see how this should create an impact for the business, something that we've talked about, yeah. but also how to push this and specifically when it comes to more political organizations. Hmm. This is something that data scientists do not like to talk about, yeah. but once you get into political organizations, then you need to make sure that at the end, your goal, my goal is not creating a cool data science solution, but yeah. rather creating an impact. And to do exactly. that, it's not only putting the code, it's not only writing the code, it's all of leadership, team management, uh, expectation management, communication, updates, project management, budgeting, uh, even escalation. So this is something that unfortunately I have to deal with. Yeah. When things don't go correctly, what do I do? And from all of this process, with all of those team members that we've spoken about, the management is usually not easy. And the yeah. leadership is not easy and pushing things forward is not easy. But that's the only way to actually create a proper data science solution that will have, at the end, a positive impact on the whole business. Yeah, I think it's it's not even data science solution, but it's it's any solution that has a more kind of technical orientation, right? Or even... I haven't been on the non-technical side, but I, I mean that buy-in and someone that fights for you and removes those roadblocks, right? That believes in the value that you're going to deliver. I think that is essential on more of an, I guess, upper level management. Because from a leadership perspective, focus is the number one thing, right? If leadership is not very focused, then it's going to trickle down into the teams and it's going to be disorganized, disoriented. You're going to have meetings about one subject, then one about the other, and you're like, oh, Everything is happening at the same time, gradually, which means it takes a while before one thing gets done. So having that kind of buy-in and that focus really means, okay, that team and that kind of subject can be focused on building that solution, right? And then kind of trickles down to a, a, a well-oiled team, I feel like. And this is really when the concept of agility sometimes uh, conflicts with what we're doing. So to say, yeah. because lots of times we think, or sometimes um, we think that agility is basically the opposite of what you've said. That okay, let's try something and let's see how it works and then let's decide forward. And then yeah. things start to just fall apart. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is something that I've seen, for example, lots of times that if the team is not focused and if the lead of the team, and this is very important, is not focused and keep keeping the team focused, flexible, but focused. So those yeah. are the two sides that needs to be there. 
because at the end we are innovating. So the idea is that we will do one, two, three, four, and we reach the result of five. This is simply not possible in, in our field. But still, we need the results of five, and this is something that's focus and that we keep focusing on, and this is our goal at the end. But let's see how to best do that. So let's determine those one, two, three, four yeah. on the five without losing the flexibility of changing the way if we found a better way and without losing the focus of this is our goal, this is what we want to reach at the end. Exactly. This is something that sometimes having an agile team, because this term is being used in, in very different um, contexts with very different meaning, but sometimes yeah. agility is taken as a ground for not being focused. Hmm. It should be the other way around. It should be this is our focus, this is our final destination. Yeah. We are agile on seeing what we can do in between. We do learn, we do keep those learning. We might say, okay, maybe this output is not, we will not be able to reach this output. This is also fine as long as our goal and as long as our vision and our focus is still on what we want to do. Exactly. This, this is something which is very crucial. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I mean, I wouldn't know how it would work, but you somehow you need to test if your assumptions are right, right? If the end users actually, if this is kind of going to solve their problem. And it probably happens with a lot of research doing beforehand, right? Really believing uh, in the subject that you're going to tackle, that you're going to build the solution for. But even along the way, you're going to have new learnings, new data that should kind of um, uphold that focus in the first place, right? Uphold the problem that you're solving. Um, but what if it doesn't, right? And, and how do you get that feedback? That's always a tricky part yeah. uh, because it, it comes, it, it breaks down to two parts. First is expectation management hmm. because unfortunately, lots of times the stakeholders, because they think, okay, AI would is the, the ultimate solution of all of the life problems. Sometimes yeah. the stakeholders think so, so they don't actually understand or they don't grasp that it's at the end the solution that needs prerequisites, good prerequisites to be built upon. Yeah. Um, having this kind of expectation management set from the very beginning and this kind of awareness and education, this is crucial, 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 crucial. Again, I'm saying it like a thousand times <laughs> to have any successful uh, data science solutions or AI or in general, any innovative solutions. So giving an example from the projects that I'm currently working on now, it's in marketing and we are very much pushing the limits of what we're doing. Mm. And we came to the, my stakeholder and she was, by the way, one of the senior management stakeholders and she's done an amazing job in pushing this forward. But at the end, I was at the beginning, I'm very clear that, okay, by the way, we have 50% chance of failure Yeah. because one, two, three, four, five, because we don't know if this would work out, because we don't know if this would happen, because we don't know, for example, something that doesn't appear a lot in academia, that we do have the regulatory standards that we need to follow. We don't yeah. know if this would pass. We don't know if this process can change for that. So at the end, she was very aware from the beginning that we have a 50-50% chance. Mm. And that we also have those challenges. Yeah. So when, and of course, like any project, some of those challenges turned out to be true. Yeah. 
so it's not a piece of cake. But when we came back to them and told them, by the way, remember when we were speaking about the possible challenges? Yeah. This is one of them that we're currently struggling. So again, from taking this vision or from taking this uh, imagination of, okay, that's a magical solution that will just get deployed magically and would solve all of our problems. Yeah. So this is innovation. We are trying. You are my partner in the risk. I'm very clear and you can trust me that I'm telling you the full story with all of the details. Yeah. And from my side, I'm communicating those details as well in a understandable manner. So I'm not exactly. using jargon. I'm not using technicalities. That's a crucial point. Yeah. I, I love that. I think you would be so clear in setting those expectations that there wouldn't necessarily be, um, how do you say that? Uh, something unexpected, right? I mean, unexpected things can happen, but if you're very clear and open about, okay, these are the challenges we actually expect, then uh, I think the only the project will only get better because of it, right? Because you set those expectations at the beginning. You know the things that you're going to face, or at least you expect that you'll face. And new things can come along, sure, but you just be open about that and communicate that in a non-technical way, right? Because everyone needs to understand what we're doing, uh, not into a specific technical detail, but at least high over. And this is, comes back to the point where how we're actually creating the solution. Yeah. Because, <coughs> excuse me just a second, I, I need to... <laughs> no worries, I would say. Uh, that happens to me a lot, actually, while, uh, while doing these podcasts as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bit tricky to, to have this itch in the throat and then keep speaking. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a bit tricky also to, to mute myself because now I'm on three different tabs. Yeah. So I'm not sure which one should I mute to actually cough. So. No, no worries, no worries. <laughs> but I, I hope now it will be better. Yeah. Um, but back to your point, let's also get back to the point how we're developing a solution because lots of time, both from a business and data science perspective, the business would think, okay, those are our service providers, so we will give them that we want to do one, two, three, four, and they will come back with a solution. Yeah. And from a data science perspective or technical team perspective, we think that, okay, those are my users, so I will just develop the solution, pass it over, and they will use the solution. Yeah. So it's kind of um, two teams sitting in two different rooms with a wall, and then if, if I would visualize it a bit, then they are throwing over a ball over the wall. Yeah. So they have a business problem, so they throw it, and they have a solution, so they throw it. And usually it, it, it just doesn't function that way and doesn't function well that way. From my perspective, how a solution should be built, it's not the different teams sitting in different rooms and just throwing over what they produce or what they have, Yeah. but rather working in a team so that it's not only data scientists producing a system for the business stakeholder, but rather first data scientists learning the domain of the business stakeholder and knowing how to communicate in the same terminologies. Yeah. Because if we don't have a language that we can understand each other, then simply this would not work. Exactly. We're, we're both currently speaking English. English is not my first language. And as far as I understand, Dutch is your first language as well, Patrick. Yeah. But we found a common language that we can both speak and we can both communicate, even though it's not our native language. Yeah. And this is fine. So we sort of push forward to have a common understanding as much as the business should push forward to have common understanding of IT and the IT or the technical teams or the data science should push forward to, to learn this English language, even though it's not the native language. Yeah. This is one of the parts. 
So the, the, the data science should learn about the domain, the domain should learn about data science, but also getting the feedback of the user at the end. And this is something that, for example, Netflix does brilliantly and Amazon does brilliantly. Mm. Uh, and all of the platforms, they have at the end the feedback that yeah. they integrate back. So at the end, it's not that the user is using my solution in a different word and I don't care how it's being used, but rather, yeah. okay, what did you think about this recommendation? Was it good or was it not? Did you like this movie? Yes or no? Was this, um, let's say, was this prediction close to what you're expecting? Yes or no? Yeah. And this collection of feedback that we can also integrate back to the system afterwards, this is very valuable. And it puts, again, moving and transforming the, the, this, this perception that the user is simply, or that the business stakeholder is simply a user to a partner. Integrating this partnership as well in the solution, this is a crucial point that we're both working together in a single room, creating this new thing that will help the business go forward and will help the stakeholder also uh, uh, reach new limits yeah. in their job. And this is the end my goal, that we're together working in producing the solution. And we're both humble enough and both open enough and both flexible enough to understand, okay, I could be speaking Arabic, by the way, it could be easier for me and I would not do as many mistakes as I do in English. And that's yeah. fine. But I choose to speak English because this is the way we communicate. Yeah. In the same way, that's for the business. So it could be that I don't completely understand the marketing terminologies, but I will try my best to learn about them, to use them in a the correct way, to ask questions even when I don't understand, because this is our English that we will be communicating. It's not that I would be perfect, and this is why my business stakeholder is here to help me. Yeah. But at the same time, it's happening in the other way. So I'm gently introducing to them the ideas of what AI and what the data science solution is and how it's built in the technicalities in yeah. the language that they understand. And thankfully, I have amazing business stakeholders that are actually willing to speak English, so to say, and to find the common ground of how we can both communicate. And at the end, the solution is not that they're throwing a business problem and we are throwing a solution back, but rather... It's a team together that's building a solution in partnership. And this is, I believe that's the core of changing and um, change management as well. Yeah, I, I love the term when you lay it out in partnership, right? Because that is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a win-win for all, all parties involved, right? Even the end user, because hopefully their experience becomes better of it. Uh, and we talked a lot about having that shared understanding in the first place. But how you get to that point is really, and, and I love the way you laid it out, uh, speaking the same language, right? Just as we're communicating in English, even though it's not our first language. The same is with business speak and more of a technical speak, right? I can throw out terms like AI and cloud and serverless and all that jazz. But if someone across from me has no idea what I'm talking about, same with the other marketing terms, inbound marketing, outbound, stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't even know a lot of them because I don't really work in marketing. Um, but how, how can we really be effective and understand each other if we don't speak the same language in the first place, right? It really starts with that. I, uh, I love that point that you made. Definitely, definitely true. And it takes, and this is where really the, the, the experience and sort of getting to the point, how can I be effective in my job more than just developing a technical solution? Yeah. Because lots of times as well, speaking about partnership and so, for example, and I do remember a couple of projects that were huge. 
that the ends, the users, again, they were not partners, but rather users on yeah. the negative side of how this project was managed, they did not use the solution. So it was technically perfect, integrated into the business system, yeah. but then they would stare at the solution and say, no, that's not what I want. Yeah. Even though their managers were saying that this is exactly what they need. Yeah. That because we turned the part into just your using, this didn't help anything with the change management. Yeah. Because at the end, if I am having a proper technical solution and proper AI solution that will serve the business, this will also mean that there's some change in the processes that will need to be encountered for. Yeah. If the user was not, if the stakeholder is treated as a user and not a partner, then simply, and this has happened lots of times, and if you ask anyone, they will tell you that change management is actually one of the toughest um, um, parts of this process. Yeah. Then the end user simply said, okay, no, I'm not using that because I could do it better. Mm. Even though on numbers and on calculations, the solution is creating it better, but for this reason, the change is not, it's very difficult to create. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, if you look at it from the end result, right, and a user getting the solution in their hands and being like, I'm not going to use this, I could have done better, or I can do better, right, even though it'd be manual, then you think, oh, man, there must have been a grave error somewhere in between kind of this huge project landing and seeing that end result. But something as simple as taking that end user, making them a partner and involving them in the process, that's very delicate. And if that's missing, then that's how you get to that end result in the first place. And this goes back to actually how we hire, because mm. when we hire data scientists, most of the organization would not test this emotional intelligence. Yeah. Most of the organization would care more about how many methods have you used? Can you um, tell me how this method works? How many deep networks, uh, deep neural networks have you trained? Yeah. Uh, what kind of NLP and computer vision have you created? Do you know about reinforcement learning? Yeah. So those are the kind of questions that we ask in, in the interview. But unfortunately, those are not the questions that will determine if the work will create a difference in the, in the business or not. And this is something, okay, we think that our data scientists should be mathematically smart. Yeah. Of course, we need to be mathematically smart. It's not saying that it's okay not to be mathematically smart. Yeah. But is how many organizations actually see that this leadership skills and this emotional intelligence skills is a key to actually creating an impact of data science. Yeah. I have worked in lots of organizations. I've heard about lots of organizations. I've seen lots of organizations. And unfortunately, this understanding is not there yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I so hope it's evolving. I mean, I'm, I'm positive, positively minded usually. Uh, but I do think, I mean, having this conversation in the first place, right, spreading the knowledge about this kind of thing um, and even adjusting hiring and just making people more aware is step number one, right? And change will ensue if people are aware that this is an issue. But I think hiring in and of itself is so difficult. The technical things that we're doing are difficult. But if you remove all the stakeholder management and everything around it, just build a solution for the sake of building a solution, that part is easy. It's everything involved and everything correlated with it that it makes that makes it very difficult, which also means you need diverse people and different sets of skills.
the problem is, however, when the companies start to work to, to work on on the solution, and then they find, okay, that by the way, we've spent so and so much on infrastructure, we've spent so and so much on, on talent and yeah. hiring, uh, we're spending so and so much on trainings, but we're not getting any final results. Lots of companies, if AI and data science are not their core components, would say, okay, let's just switch this part off and buy any solution that would even create 50%. And there are lots of currently uh, generic solutions in the market. Yeah. So, okay, why would I hire a data science team if they are not able to create an impact? Yeah. Some companies would say, why are they not creating an impact? And then start to ask all of those difficult questions. And then you'd get both sides throwing blame that the business side would say, okay, they don't understand how the business is working. They're living on their own world. And then the data science team would say, okay, they are not willing to change. And then this is where it gets more of a finger pointing yeah. and depending on the management, a significant amount of time, if the product is not digital and if AI is not in a core part of their uh, future vision, A, and their functionalities, B, so those two, the, the management would say, okay, I'm spending so much. It's only creating conflict. I'm not seeing any return of investment. Let's yeah. just outsource this and let's just buy a solution that would shouldn't work perfectly, but would we would having you would be having less effort in that. The minority of companies would actually dig deeper into why is this not working. Exactly. And then they would come to the points that we are just discussing. That's okay, maybe it's not the technical solution, maybe it's not the development of the technical solution. It's the team structure, it's the communication, it's the leadership, it's yeah. the adoption, it's the change management. This is where they would get the understanding. Okay, then how are we assessing actually the data scientists that we are uh, hiring? How yeah. are our teams structured and so on? And I think that's the make or break point. When the data science solution are not working in your organization, what will you do afterwards? Yeah, I had a, a conversation with my buddy Laurens Polema, and he said putting that that team that is responsible, right, with all the stakeholders involved in the same room just asking the question, what, what is holding us back from doing the best things we can, like with the work that we're doing? Who doesn't want to do the best they can, right, if given all the, the opportunities? Then writing them down on a whiteboard and being like, ah, there's actually a lot of similarities here, and now what can we do to resolve these issues, right? Because that means we would actually be able to do the best thing we can. Um, I, I love that. The, the tricky part is, when, yeah. and usually it boils down to that, Boils down to finger pointing. Yeah. Because if we were talking about the team sitting in different rooms and throwing the ball over the wall, basically, yeah. and at the end, when we go to have this discussion, usually if it's not working well, and usually because the teams feel disconnected, and usually because, okay, there is a problem, it's not, and there is costs, and yeah. there is a serious problem that needs to be fixed. The tricky part is how can we shift the culture from finger pointing and blaming yeah. to actually one that's trying to find a solution together. Exactly. This is this is really where the organization and the management is, is crucial to play a role here, but also the people to be focused on the final outcome, as you're saying, to do their best in the ter in the terms that business defines, yeah. not what they will define. Exactly. Yeah. And it is after this whole conversation, I still think it is it is so difficult and it comes with experience, right? But if we're open and humble about making mistakes, learning from them, being open with our communication and expectations, 
uh, both from a stakeholder side as well as a technical team side. Uh, I think that already is a huge kind of first step in getting to that uh, solid and efficient team, right? You're not going to get there overnight. It takes time, it takes trust, um, and it takes communication first and foremost. I, uh, I love this conversation, Dina. Is there anything that's, that's missing that you still want to share? I want to back up your points with some numbers because actually <laughs> Forbes, exactly what you're saying. So Forbes had uh, was citing uh, some kind of survey of the Fortune 1000s and mm. they said, so Fortune 1000s are the companies that have absolutely no problem in getting the best infrastructure, hiring the best people. It's So there is no any issues on that side. Yeah. They were saying that 98.8% of Fortune 1000s are actually investing in big data and AI, yeah. while only 14.6% have actually widespread AI solution production. And 90.9% uh, have cited that people and processes are the biggest challenge and the biggest barrier for this transformation. Yeah. So Which this is, is backing your points up with, uh, yeah. with actual statistics. Yeah, that makes sense. My 90.9% is people in process, right? The, the, you would think that those are the basics, but those end up being the hardest. Yeah. And those are the points that we never talk about, unfortunately. We can exactly. talk about technologies and models and algorithms and state of the art and what's, uh, what's the, deep, the, the, the newest uh, transformer model and the GPT-3 and all of that. But yeah. uh, it's very, very suddenly that we talk about actually what makes a difference to the business. And how can we drive this uh, impact and the difference without being stuck in what we have been taught to do? Yeah, awesome. I want to thank you so much for coming on, Dina. I, uh, I love this conversation. I love it too, Patrick. Thank you very much for having me here. No problem at all. Let's, uh, let's do this again sometimes. We didn't even get into kind of the usage and, uh, and the feeling people get while using kind of AI solutions in the first place. Would love to. Awesome. Cool. Dina Gurgis, everyone. Wait, this is my camera. I'm uh, going to put all of her socials in the, in the description below. Uh, so check her out. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Uh, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the episode and want to support the show, don't forget to leave a rating. Better yet, share the episode with a friend. Let us know in the comment section below what you want to hear, and we'll make it happen. Cheers.